Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Well, what a special occasion it is today to be together in the house of God. It's always an honor to be able to take the stage and deliver a word. But what an awesome time of worship. Were you blessed this morning? Yeah, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a very much a blessing we have here. So if you're visiting with us this morning, just so you know, that's like, that's par for the course around here. It's kind of what we do. Our worship team is an incredible, incredible uh, spirit-filled team that pursues the heart of Jesus with a passion that is just uh, unmatched across the country, across the world, I believe. And we are incredibly blessed to have them here on our team. Well, hey, before we get going here, first of all, I want to tell all of our visitors personally, I love to get a chance to meet you today. Maybe you've been here a few times even, but we've never got to shake hands before. I'm going to be out in the lobby just over here to my right after service. So if you haven't met me before, if you're visiting today, come out, say hi to me. I want to share a little bit with you about the ministry here at Church on the North Coast. I want to learn a little bit more about you. And uh, man, I think we could become lifelong friends. What do you say? All right, we'll, we'll do it, we'll do it. And man, just before we go any further, I want to say welcome back to Ohio, Doc. Dr. Kedson, Pastor Tina in the house this morning. Come on, give him a wave, give him a wave. You know, every time they come back up to Ohio from Florida, I swear you're just a couple of shades darker. And uh, you, got the, you got the Floridian tan going on, but I love you both so much. Obviously, my mom and dad, uh, Louis and Tina Kitt, and I, and I just cherish them being here. It's an honor for me to be able to, uh, to be on the platform here today while they're in attendance. I pulled in, saw their car, and I'm like, oh, no, I got an extra little butterfly in there. But it's, it's a good one. It's, an, it's a good butterfly. So, uh, well, hey, how many of you have ever dealt with pain in your life? Yeah, you can raise your hand. I mean... It's kind of one of those questions like we all know we have. We've all dealt with pain before. How many of, of, of y'all are sitting right next to the pain that you get the most in here? I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, some of that pain might be happening here this morning right next to you. But, man, it's true. There, there is a reality that in life pain is inevitable, right? Like we're, we're all dealing with it. We've all dealt with it. And I hate to tell you, but the, but the truth is you're going to deal with it again in one way, shape, or another. And it's just what happens. It's the thing that, that we can't stop from happening. Uh, but the truth is, is that we've got options here. We've got some options on how to deal with that pain. So here's your first option. It's to be miserable and repeat it. Who wants to pick that one? No, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to put my hand back down. <laughs> and my second option is to learn from it, to grow from it, and then use it to help other people. How's that one sound? I'm going to go with option two. How many of you guys are picking option two with me? I'm going with option two. And, and that's, that's what we have to start to understand is that, you know, pain in our lives become warning signs. And I know all y'all are driving around with perfectly maintenance cars around here. But when that light comes on and it flashes, nobody would ever drive around with a check engine light for weeks and months, would you? No, I wouldn't. Mine's on right now. <laughs> but when that light comes on, what's it telling you? Something's wrong. Something's not right. Like, I need you to get this in, get me into the mechanic as quickly as possible. Let's figure out what's happening. Let's learn what the problem is, diagnose it, and then we can fix it. And then you could be that guy or gal next time around when you hear that noise and it's like that red, oh, you know what? I know exactly what that is. It's a bearing. You need to go ahead and get those replaced. It's going to fix it right up. Why? Because you've learned from your mistake. You said, look, I'm going to take this car in. I'm going to get it checked out. A man or a woman wiser than you diagnosed the issue. They fixed it for you. They told you what happened. Man, they might have gave you the old part so you can remember. Sit it right up on the shelf. I'm never letting this wheel go bad again for months and months and months because it cost me a lot. 
It put me out like 1,500 bucks to get this thing fixed. So the next time I see that engine light come on, you know what I'm going to do? Boom. I'm going directly to the mechanic. I'm not putting it off. And now they can fix it. We can get back on track for way cheaper. Wouldn't that be nice? That's the way you want to utilize pain. You want to recognize it. You want to diagnose it. And then you want to fix it so you don't have to deal with it again. And, man, what the, what the blessing is, you can now help other people identify that same issue that you went through. Well, there's good news today. The pain you're currently going through has victory at the end of it. That's the good news. It doesn't matter what it is because you could be going through emotional pain, physical pain, financial pain, mental pain. And the truth of the matter is, is that at every turn, Jesus is ready to give you victory over your pain. You ready to find out how? Come on, let's do it together. The first thing God does for you is he uses your pain to guide and direct us. Pain is used to guide and direct us. In Proverbs 16, 9, it says this, a person may plan his own journey. Oh, hold on, God. Glitches here. A person may plan his own journey, but the Lord directs his steps. Your life is destined, and there is nothing you can do about it. That's my added portion to the scripture. Your life is destined, and there's nothing you can do about it. A person may plan their own journey. You may think you have ideas and ways and means to get to where it is that you want to be when you start to feel that pain. This is how I'm going to deal with it. This is what we're going to do. But the reality of it is, is that God has a plan for your life, and no matter what's going on, the destiny he has for you is going to remain intact because God is always working behind the scenes on your behalf. You know, the truth of the matter is for me, I don't know about you, but there's oftentimes I find myself so determined to be hard-headed about a situation that even in my pain and I see relief, I know it. I know what relief is when it comes to my spiritual life, my mental, my emotional, even my financial. God has taught us so many different principles of understanding of how to relieve ourselves of pain. But what is it about human nature that just drives you to try to fix it yourself until you finally just give it to God? Why do we do that to ourselves? It's like, man, we figure it out. and We're like, why didn't I do that months ago? Sometimes, why didn't I do that years ago? Just, just give up. Like we built this big old altar for a reason, right? And every time we find it, what happens? Problems are fixed. It's taking it to the Lord to address it and saying, God, I give up on me. I'm done trying. Lord, I need your help. Would you fix this pain in my life? And miraculously so, over and over and over again, he provides solutions that seemingly didn't exist until I simply dropped to my knees. Until I simply gave up trying to fix things on my own. Man, God is good, isn't he? Amen. In Job, we all know the story of Job. He went through it, man. It says God teaches people through suffering and uses distress to open their eyes. I don't know about you guys, man, but sometimes I feel like, and I don't think I'm quite there yet, but I'm working on a PhD in pain. I'm working on... I'm like, I've got my master's. I'm deciding whether or not to go back to school on it. And it's like, I don't even want it. But for some, somehow I end up back in working on a PhD in pain. And, and there's this moment in my life where I'm like, man, 
I don't want to get more educated, all right? I've had enough. I get it. I've learned my mistakes, and I, I, just, want to, I just want to cruise. I want to finish going back and doing the same thing over and over again. But the reality of it is, is that that's just the human nature of us, and it's difficult sometimes to let go of our old habits. And for 2 Corinthians, it says this, Now I am glad, not because it hurts you, Paul is saying, but because the pain turned you to God. There is no rejoicing that you're going through pain, but there is a reality for the Lord to recognize that in that pain and in that suffering, you'll turn to him. Because those are the moments when we learn the most, is it not? There's a funny illustration I want to share with you guys. It's kind of a, a, a something I think we'll all understand. I know most city folks in here, but you guys know what a bridle is or a bit, right? A bit in a horse's mouth. I, I, need, a, I need a little bit of help. Where are my people at? No, you want to help me out? Come on up here, man. You got it. It's too late. I already called your name out. Eddie, I'll leave you alone for once on a Sunday. How's that sound? <laughs> yeah, that's good. I'll take it. I'll take it. All right, come on over. You ain't getting away with it. Let's go. So here we go. We got, we got our two studly horses here, right? And Obi, of course, is going to be the horse that doesn't listen because that's just Obi. And he's been around the same amount of time as Noah, and they've both been trained, right? They both know what's going on. They know how to take a passenger to where they need to go. But seemingly, Noah just understands that, like, all I got to do is listen, and I'm going to get all the good things that I want, right? Like, you're going to get an apple at the end. You're a horse, remember? Okay. You're going to get an apple at the end. You're going to get all the oats you want. You're going to get a nice, clean stall. You're going to have a bunch of water. Obi, on the other hand, he's been doing the same thing for a long time, but for some reason, he thinks going that way is more fun than going that way, even though I'm telling him to go that way. And he doesn't really care about the apples. He doesn't care about the oats. He doesn't care about the clean stall. He just wants to do things his way. So what happens when I'm riding around? with Noah. I love riding around with Noah. Come on, Noah, we're going to go for a ride. Because all I got to do to go, go right, I just got to take my finger and just push his shoulder just a little bit. And he's like, yeah, let's go right. That sounds good to me. And then I want to go straight. I just push him this way. He's like, yeah, let's go this way. And it's really easy to steer Noah around because all I got to do is touch him. You know what happened? It's because Noah learned from his pain. Noah learned from his pain a long time ago that if, if, if I just allow the Lord to just touch me, oh, there comes the warning light on. And he's like, ah, i got to get to the altar. I've got to pursue the presence of God in my life. Because the path that I'm heading down today, I don't want that smoke. I know what comes from that. Here comes Obi, right? <laughs> Sorry, Obi. <laughs> here comes Obi. I want to go right. And so here comes God just gently touching you. Here's a little bit of pain. And I'm, no, 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 we got to go. And he just keeps, no. And now, what's, what happens now, right? I got to pull on that bridle. I got to pull on those harnesses a little bit harder. Ugh. And now I'm twisting Obi's shoulders and I'm still trying to go straight. And he's trying to go that way. And I got to, now I got to grab him. And now things are getting all twisted up and he's stepping on toes and we're hurting one another and pain's happening and life is just getting tumultuous all over the place. Family's hurting. Babies are getting stepped on. We're going to cause pain. We're going we're gonna to have, have damage all over the place, right? And here it goes. Here it goes again in our life. We're, 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 we're neglecting to recognize the warning signs, the little pains that God is sending our way to help us understand that, like, I need you back this way. Because over here is your destiny. Over here is your healing. This direction will take you to the fulfillment of the promise that I made to you. When I told you I would never forsake you, that I would never leave you. 
And here's Noah just hopping along like, yeah, life is great. It's so good. I love it. I'm going to get me an apple. I'm going back to my clean stall. It's so easy. You can go back to your seat. Thank you, guys. And Obi's struggling along, and he's fighting it over and over and over again. And he's thinking to himself, God, why are you punishing me? Why are you persecuting me? What have I done that no one else has done? I'm just as human as they are, and yet here's my life. I'm miserable all the time. It's like, it's like you're just looking for ways to punish me, to create stress in my life. And God's like, listen, no, that's not the case at all. But like a good father, I understand that if I don't create for you a scenario difficult enough to turn your attention to me, that you'll never learn from your mistakes. You'll never get to where it is that I know is best for you. I love David because he was as if like the most understanding of celebrating pain. So many times over and over again, he made mistakes in his life that seemingly would cost him everything, but recognized in those moments that even when he was an undisciplined, yet trained and understood horse. God constantly had to yank on him so significantly just to get his attention, to turn his heart back to God, to pursue him. It identified in David, it identifies in many of us as this inability to recognize, man, God, the warning lights are all over the place. They're right in front of my face, and yet here I am again doing the things I swore I would never do. You would think after all these years of discipline, after all these years of learning, of maturing, and yet here I am again. The good news is that over and over and over again, just like David was forgiven, just like David was set back up for success, so can you and so can I. In Psalms it says this, it was the best thing that could have happened to me for it taught me to pay attention to your laws. Isn't it so true that in moments in our life when we've gone through pain and we come out the other side, the testimony ultimately a lot of times sounds just like that. If it wasn't for that moment of adversity, if it wasn't for that moment of pain, the thing that I thought would have killed me, I never would have became the man or woman that I am today. Never in my life have I heard a testimony where somebody said, man, life's been so easy. Life's been so just simple for me. I could never explain to you how being raised with millions of dollars in my pocket and not one bad thing ever to happen to me created the, the man or woman that I am today. That, that's just not how it works. It's just not how it works. It's the adversity and the pain that creates the blazoned, hardened, experienced person that comes out on top because they've gone through the fire, the refining fire of Jesus that creates this ability to recognize the supernatural way beyond our ability to do so. C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers to us in our pleasure, but he shouts to us in our pain. I'm trying to get your attention this morning. The path you're heading down is full of destruction. 
It's full of despair. I don't want you to go there. I need you to go here. Because here is the restoring power of Jesus. Here is the miraculous power of the Lord that said, I will heal you with my blood. That I will renew your spirit. I will give you joy in the morning. And for everlasting, we will be together as one. Amen? The second thing that happens is God uses pain to motivate us, to push us, to spur us, and correct me. There's an old farming term. It's called goading. I think Pastor Troy used it just a couple of weeks ago. Goading, to prod somebody, to push, to kick a little bit. You ever, you ever I never did it, but y'all ever do it? You kick your dog, get, get outside. You got to get outside. You got you to be goaded sometimes. You got to be pushed and corrected sometimes. Proverbs says this in uh, Proverbs 20, 30. Sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Ain't that the truth? Ain't nothing like getting caught. Right? Ain't nothing like it. Because getting caught does two things. One, it ends a bad circumstance, and you're like, oh, crap, I didn't want to get caught. But how many times you've been caught and just a few hours later, maybe it takes a day, I don't know, but you're like, man, thank God I got caught. Because <laughs> I just couldn't stop myself. I, I couldn't stop the thing that I hate doing because I'm just, I'm just me. I'm a flawed, messed up individual, selfish, full of evil. And man, I just could not stop it. Thank you, Jesus, for catching me, said nobody, until you get caught. Until you get caught. Nobody wants to get caught until they get caught. Because then you're like, oh, finally, I can just let this all go. I didn't even want to keep doing this. I just couldn't stop it. Pain prompts us, it alerts us, it pushes us, it motivates us. And we change when we finally start to feel the heat, do we not? That's when things really start to change. You ever been held accountable, like for real held accountable? I love being held accountable. I hate being held accountable. I love it, but I hate it. But when somebody holds me accountable, you know what it does? It brings the best out of me. There's lots of things in my own life that I have self-discipline for, but there's a lot of things that, man, I need somebody to hold me accountable. And the people that I respect most in my life are the ones that do just that, especially those that do that. When they come to me and they're like, hey, look, that's just not acceptable. This is what has to be done. And I know that you can, and here's how you're going to do it. And if you don't, then you won't be doing this anymore. Uh, well, Okay, so then now you got a choice, right? You can stay stubborn. There's option one, which nobody picked. You can keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. Or you can learn from those mistakes, recognize what needs to be done, fix the problem, and then pursue that excellence, and then teach others along the way. It's such a better option, isn't it? Man. But oftentimes, unless we're presented with those realities, we're never making that change because we're just continuing to get away with being hard-headed. We're just continuing to get away with doing the things that we've always done. Never being tested, never being held accountable, never having to go through the fire creates weak people. It's just an inevitable reality. When you're not tested, when you're not held accountable, you become weak. In Hebrews 12, it says, God corrects all of his children. And if he doesn't correct you, then you don't actually belong to him. God corrects us for his own good, for our own good, because he wants us to be holy as he is holy. Now, let me explain something real quick. Parents, 
There is a difference between correcting and punishing your children. Family, there is a difference between correcting and punishing your siblings. Right? Friends, there is a difference between correcting your friend and punishing your friend. Correction is training. It's identifying in that person or, or, or maybe more importantly, in yourself the issue and then training to solve the problem. Punishing someone is saying, for what you did in the past, now I'm going to punish you for it. How does that work if when Jesus came to take the punishment for us, that I would continue to punish those around me? The goal of a relationship with Jesus is to create the opportunity for the Lord to correct one another because Jesus has already taken on the punishment. That's the saving grace and mercy of God. That I no longer have to be punished because he took it already. Now, all I need, all you need, is a little bit of correction here now and then. And it comes in the form of a gentle tug, of a friendly accountability of an encouraging word of recognizing in the person that's doing the thing they shouldn't be doing and saying, hey, look, you're better than that. I know it and you know it. Let's go ahead and identify it and get back on track. No need to punish you. No need to break you down. No need to throw you out because all that's already been done. Jesus covered you for that. And now here's where we can go straight to the mercy seat and restore and refresh every single moment of every single day. Take that correction, learn from that training, and pursue the heart of God once again. Doesn't that sound good? Man, it's good. Consider yourself fortunate that God all-powerful chooses to correct you and not punish. <laughs> Consider yourself fortunate if you think you're getting punished in this world, let me help you understand something. In just bold black capital letters, you are not. You may not know how to handle correction, but let me help you understand that that's exactly what it is. It's correction and you don't like it because nobody likes to be corrected. But once you understand that that correction will pursue the opportunity for you to become greater, correction's great. I look forward to it. I want to spend my time around people who are calling me out for those types of things. I want to be that person on my own because when I correct myself, when others are correcting me and then I'm pursuing the fix, I'm taking the training and I'm utilizing it, I become a better version of the person that God created to be in the first place. So I'm celebrating the idea of getting corrected. Let's go. I want to be around people who are saying, hey, look, that's not how it's done. This is how it's done. Now let's fix it. Let's go. Let's get this going. We want to be better. Do you not want to be better this morning? Yeah. Amen. I'm reminded of the prodigal son, the story of the prodigal son, uh, the son. He took all of his money, right? He took his inheritance early. He's like, I want it now. I want to go pursue life. I want to have fun. I want to party. And he spent it all, right? He went downtown and it was gone. Made a whole bunch of new friends. Lost everything. Lost all of his friends. Woke up in a pig pen hungry. And then what? He's like, man, I got a great idea. 
I'm going to go home. <laughs> I'm going to call it a day and I'm going to go back home. Why? Why, why did he want to go back home? He was motivated to go back home. Why was he motivated to go back home? Because he was hungry. He found hunger in his belly and he thought to himself, where can I feed myself? Oh, I know. I'll go home. Motivation is a powerful thing when you're, when, you're, when you're dealing with issues in your life that you think to yourself, man, like, how did all this happen? I need some motivation. Here's what it says in Luke 15. He spent everything he had and was hungry. And at last he came to his senses. He corrected his thinking and said, I'll get up and I'll go to my father. For a brief moment there, he was thinking to himself, like, God, why have you forsaken me? You punished me. Look at where my life's at, blaming everything on all his friends. All these people around me, these fake people. Oh, man, these fake church people, they say one thing. They don't do this. Listen, those are all nothing but a bunch of excuses. You know how many times I've heard that in my life? I'd come to church if it wasn't a bunch of hypocrites. Like, bro, y'all are just as hypocritical. What are you talking about? Like, we're all in the same boat, but it's not like they're more hypocritical in church than they are, like, wherever you're at. Every, you are, we are all doing that. The difference of what I have here in this house is the ability to understand and be able to be corrected to a place where I can get back to what it is God is doing for me. I've now surrounded myself around a bunch of people that will say, hey, Lou, I love you, but that's not what it is, man. Like, you got to get back to where you're supposed to be. Okay, cool. I accept that. Let's do it. You know why I accept it? Because you're correcting me. You're not punishing me. You got no right to punish me. I got no right to punish you. But man, I sure do appreciate the correction. I sure do appreciate the training. I sure do appreciate you taking the time to tell me how it is we can get to where it is God planned us for us in the first place. Man, that touches my heart. Thank you so much. That's a powerful place to be. That's why you go to church. That's why you're a part of a church family. That's why for over 50 years we've called this place home. Because over and over and over again, whether you've come and gone and come and gone or you're gone right now, maybe you hear this message a few weeks from now, guess what? You can come back and it's still going to be the same place. It's going to be a place of restoration. It's going to be a place of hope. It's going to be a place of a bunch of people who are still living hypocritically, trying their best to figure it out how they can get better with Jesus. Here's a PSA for you. God is not mad at you. He's mad for you. God's not mad at you. He's mad about you. He's madly, insanely in love with you. And today's the day that you get to get up out of the pig pen and you get to go back home to your father again. This is your warning sign. This is your alert. This is your gentle correction. The really, you know, two-fingered pull on the bridle, on the bit, to make that left hand turn because God knows this direction is full of hope and peace. And you don't need to go that way. You don't have to. But if you do, I'll yank a little bit harder for you. <laughs> I'll correct you. I'll stick with you. I'll stay by your side until we get the path back on the right direction. In Hebrews 12, it says, let God train you for he is doing what any loving father does for his children. Whoever heard of a child who was never corrected? That's what good parents do. They correct. They instruct. They teach. They pursue for their children the opportunity to be the best versions of themselves. For my children to be on, on my floor is my goal. I want them, I want them to surpass me. 
I want them to be better than I was. So I'm going to instruct them in all the things that I've already learned and the mistakes that I've already made. That's what good parents do. That's what a good father does. It's what a good mother does. An interesting quote by Aristotle says, it is impossible to learn without pain. Impossible? Yeah, I think, I think that's actually correct. I think it is impossible to learn without pain because pain for some of y'all might sound different, but pain to me in school was painful. Like when I had to learn, I'm like, ah, this is painful. I don't like it. But it requires maybe not the same kind of commitment, blood, sweat, and tears that doing something physical does, but mentally you've got to discipline yourself to go through a process that otherwise you don't feel like going through. Dr. Cynthia, how long, how did that feel? Did it feel a little painful as you're going through your PhD? You know, I'd rather just not, right? How about we don't study for hours on end and just go get some ice cream? Sound like a plan? That's painful. I don't want to have to sit here and read and write another thesis, a hundred page paper. I don't want to have to deliver another speech. I don't want to prepare another thing. I don't want to have to wake up at 5 a.m. again before work so I can go work out and take care of my body and then go to a job and earn income and then come home and do another job and raising a family and then get prepared for the next day and then pretend like I'm going to watch a show, lay back and fall asleep five minutes later. <laughs> That's painful. Life is painful at times, right? To degrees. We're not even talking about the really painful things in life that come out. Loss, financial woes. Man, emotional, mental. There's some things in our life that are way easy to identify as genuinely painful, right? Compared to just kind of the work we have to go through. But in all of it, in every single portion of it, God is waiting on the wings at every turn to gently turn the bridle, turn that bit, just so you could take the perfect path to pursuing peace, to finding the answers that you're looking for. Man, they're all around you. And we don't have to make them more difficult than they already are. We just have to stay in tune with what God is saying in our lives. Let's keep moving on. Number three, God uses pain to gauge and inspect me. To gauge is to find out where I'm at. You know, people just like tea bags. You really never find out what's in them until you put them in hot water, right? I'm not quite sure what but like Earl Grey actually is. I don't know what it is. They could say it's jasmine. They could say it's all these different names. I have no idea. And then I put it in the water and I say, I'm like, oh, I taste it. Oh, that's what it is. Pain is kind of the same way. It, it'll tell you who you are when you're going through it because your response to it is also indicative of your preparation for it. So it's not really about like being here on a Sunday morning, listening to a message, going through a great worship session, feeling really good about yourself. Everything's fine. It's sunny outside. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all see it? It's been going on for like seven days. Shh. I'm not superstitious. I'm just saying we just thank you. Just say thank you and move on. And it's going on for like another seven days or stuff. So like, let's go. But, it, it, but it, 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 it's, it's the opportunity for us to see it, to grab onto it. To run with it, man. It's so good. All right. Here we go. Uh, Job 7. You inspect them every morning and test them every minute. God is gauging you and inspecting you for a reason. He wants to find out where his, where his favorite thing in the whole universe is. Where are you at today? I want what's best for you, so let me find out. Let me just, let me just, let me just throw you a little bit of something, something, see how you handle that. I'm not, I'm not worried about that, like God testing me, putting me to the fire a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm asking for it. 
because I'm prepared for it. There is nobody in this room who has ever prepared for something to the point where they understand it. They know it, right? Like, you, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt. Like, you're going in for the test day, and they're like, man, how you feeling? Like, I'm feeling good. How you feeling? I'm not really sure. Well, I'm good. Let's go, right? Like, you're done. When you know you're prepared, you're excited to get to where it is you're going. Because there ain't nobody that can tell you otherwise because you knew you put in the preparation. You did the work. You did what was required of you. And now all you're looking for is game day. The people that are nervous, like, oh, I'm not really sure. You're not sure because you didn't prepare. That's just the bottom line. Like you can, you can talk yourself in and out of it all you want. Like you, I, got, I got anxiety. I'm just a nervous test taker. Like, look, I get nervous when I take tests too. And you know why? It's because I didn't study. <laughs> that, that's why you're nervous. If you put in the time, you, you're not going to be nervous. There's, just, there's, no, there's no way around it. Preparation will help you be prepared for what's coming. And when God says, hey, I'm, gonna just, I'm just going to find out where to lose at today. Let me, just, let me just pour a little bit of hot water out and see what's coming out that tea bag. Go ahead and pour it. I already know what's going to come out because I've been preparing. Now, don't get me wrong. There's been plenty of times in my life, and there will be more, when I just wasn't prepared. And here it comes. Here comes the pain. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Green, it might be green tea. I have no idea. Not really sure. I just respond and I flail, right? We flail everywhere. We kick and we scream and we try to find solutions to things that we've already done a million times, and we just can't figure it out. We're like, God, why are you persecuting me? I ain't persecuting you. This isn't even that big of a deal. You're just unprepared. You said you were going to get prepared, but then you didn't. Now here comes the test and you failed. I mean, okay, so accept your F and jog on. That's just the way it's going to go. <laughs> it's disappointing. It's upsetting. But now you only got one choice because the test already came and went and second semester is here. So you can just go ahead and get better and move forward. Or you can sit right here and just keep on sulking and stay right where you're at. Those are your choices. That's what you're left with. How many people want to just move on and let's get better? Let's just get to the next step. I just want to just put that one behind me and I'm just going to get on and get, get ready for the next test. Amen? The Lord searches our hearts and he examines our deepest motives so he can give to each person his right reward according to his deeds. How he has lived. Jeremiah 17, 10. We're not handing out bonuses just because you showed up. This isn't a participation award situation. Right? How come they're so blessed? How come they have everything they need? How come I'm over here struggling? I put the work in. That's why I have it. <laughs> You're welcome to come join me on my boat, but it's mine. So no, when you say I need it on Saturday, I'm like, no, nah, I'm using it on Saturday, but you're welcome to come over on Sunday for 30 minutes, and then you got to go. Because it's mine. I worked on it. I, have, I, 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 I put in the effort, and I own it. So now I'm the one enjoying it, right? I've got I've to accept the fact that if I want something, I've got to work for it. If I see something out there that looks really good and I'm like, man, I, I want that. That's, that's the kind of life I want to have. I want to be spiritually sound to the point where I'm so in tune with Jesus that at every turn, not just myself is blessed, but my family's blessed. My children are blessed. My neighborhood is blessed. My state, my country. I want to walk around with the kind of power I see those men and women walking around with. Well, then you're going to have to work for it. You're going to have to pursue it. And on your way, recognize that when it doesn't get to where you're not where you want to be, you're just going to have to work a little bit harder. Because guess what? There's always going to be somebody out there better than you. There's always going to be somebody out there just a little more advanced than you are. And that's fine. Get on their team. Surround yourself with those folks. When you level up, guess what? You got to level up your friends. How many times you heard it in here? Birds of a feather what? 
Yeah. Show me your friends and I'll show you. Yeah. The reality of it is, is that as you level up, as you grow, you're going to have to level up everything around you. Everything. Your people, your surroundings, right? Like everything that you do. You want to, you want to, you want to get into a healthy lifestyle, you're going to have to level up. You know what's crazy to me is that I can't even tell you when. Probably like the last five years or so. Rachel and I sleep so hard. At least we did. We slept so hard, and it was just like a thing. I think it's one of the things that like bonded us. We are really good sleepers. We could sleep anywhere at any time for long periods of time. We love it. It's, it's funny. We went and visited Europe with our friends when we were like in our 20s, and there are so many photos of us sleeping everywhere we went. We're in the car on the Autobahn. Everybody's like looking out the windows, and we're like sleeping. We're on a lift going up a mountain, and we're like sleeping. Just a quick nap. Just a quick little nap. You got to level up. And so here's what happens. Over the last couple of years, you know, life has changed. I wanted to keep on pursuing the things that I've been pursuing in health and fitness. But, but there's seemingly a baseball game or a wrestling something or a lacrosse something or soccer something or a cheerleading something or who knows else what. I don't even keep track anymore. I just literally just show up. Guess what? There's no more time left in my day. None. Zero. Nada. It's just the phase of life that we're in and I love it. I'm not angry about it. I'm just venting a little bit. I love it. I'm going to miss it when it's gone. Like, don't come out, find me and be like, oh, cherish these moments. I get it. I'm cherishing them. They're just hard. I really am. They're just busy. Well, guess what? You know what time I'm left with in the day? Like 5 a.m. That's the time I'm left with. That's the time I have to do the things that I want to pursue. So guess what? I had, I had a choice. I could either keep trying to squeeze in the things that I wanted during the times that I didn't have and create conflict and create, you know, trauma and drama and all the kind of stuff that goes along with it. Or I had to start getting more disciplined and getting up early in the morning. That's just the way it goes, man. It's the way it goes. There's no other choice. And you know what happens nowadays? And it still blows my mind. It, it, it blows her mind too. Like, I wake up, I set my clock, and if you, I've, I've posted pictures like that. I'll set an alarm like six times, 6.30, 6.31, 6.32, 6.33, 6.34, And then for some reason, I do this buffer one, I'm like, 6.39. And I'll hit snooze on every single one of them. And I still do it just in case, but I can't tell you the last time I've had to even set an alarm. And it's 5.30, by the way, not 6.30. 5.30, 5.31, 5.32, 5.33. I don't even, it doesn't even work, it doesn't even work anymore. It just, I just wake up, I'm like, let's go. We gotta get after it. There's a sense of urgency in me because I know I gotta get to where it is that I wanna go and the only time I have is right now. I, I, gotta, I gotta be there. I gotta be there because if I don't do it now, then it's never gonna happen the rest of the day, it's shot. Fire purifies, it refines, it cleans, it rebirths. Fire is a good thing. When those things come, accept them for what they are. Recognize them. Be quick about seeing it for what it is. It's a refining opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to get rid of the shaft that's on top, right? It's, it's, a, it's, it's an opportunity for you to turn what's going on in your life into something precious, to purify the gold, to get rid of all the impurities in your life and now become the refined being that God has created you to be. Embrace it. Embrace the suck you've probably heard before. Enjoy it. You get to the point where you're like, what's wrong with that dude's face? I enjoy it. 
I like it. Pain feels good. You know why? Because I know it is making me better. It's the physical manifestation of me becoming the man that I'm supposed to be. It's the, it's the physical manifestation of the woman that you're supposed to be. You're going through it. See it for what it is. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Look at these hands, man. They're, they're calloused all the way around. You know why? Because I pick up a barbell every single day. It's a badge of honor for me. I do it every day. No matter what, I'm doing it. But, I, but, but the pain of it, right, it hurts. It's struggle. I don't want to do it. Then I get there and I'm like, oh, I love it. I can't, I can't wait to get back here tomorrow. The pursuit of our relationship with Jesus has to become the same thing. Just I just want to wake up and I just want to pursue his presence. I want to chase after him. I want him to call down fire on me. Gauge me. Look at me. Inspect me. Find out inside of me what needs to be purified because I want to be the best version of me that I've ever seen in my entire life. So Lord, I'm ready. Show me. Oh, maybe not that. We'll say that one for tomorrow. But show me the other stuff. <laughs> I'm ready to deal with this one. There's a lot to deal with, right? We're not going to fix it overnight. You're not, not going to get to where you want to be in just one step, one day, one, one there. But, but if you pursue it every single day, suddenly you're going to look back at those photos and be like, ooh, look at that. It's time to, it's time to post a side-by-side. -side. It's definitely time to post a side-by-side. -side. You got to work at it every day and embrace the pain. Shakespeare said this, he said, no one can be a philosopher with a toothache. No, you're not. You know what that means? Nobody, nobody's talking deep when they, got, when they got pain in their mouth. It'll, it'll shut up anybody. There, there was a couple years ago, actually it was this last year, I went to the dentist and, and, and uh, you know, I, I've just, I've been blessed. I, I haven't had any teeth issues whatsoever. I got my wisdom teeth out, my teeth went crooked, but other than that, I'm good. Nothing's happened, no cavities. I come in there, the gal that had been uh, my dentist for years was out on, uh, you know, paternity, and there's a young man there that's there, and he's like, oh, you got five cavities. I'm like, no, I don't. Absolutely not. He's like, yeah, you do. You got three over here and two over there, and I'm like, no, I don't. I'm like, show me. The I literally was like, I want to see the x-ray. <laughs> and so he's pointing at stuff. He's like, that's right there. I'm like, that I don't know how to read the x-ray, but I was just like, there's nothing there. There's no, there's no, because I knew what that meant. And I have, like, incredible amount of trauma from being drilled as a kid. I never wanted it again. He said, we got to get rid of it. I'm like, oh, all right, man, we got to do what we got to do. So they drilled me right on this side, and, and I left, and, and, and you know, the, the pain goes away after a little while. I woke up the next day, or actually later that evening. I had so much pain in my, my mouth that I couldn't say a word, right? That's, that's a rarity. I talk a lot. So I think everybody was enjoying it for a little while. But, I, but then the next day came, and I'm like, man, right, this isn't going away. Like, it's like, it's that, you ever had tooth pain? It, it can be nauseating. Like, you can't do anything else. That's what he's trying to say here. And nobody's a philosopher when you got a toothache. You're not thinking about anything else but that pain in your mouth. And you just want to get rid of it. You want to solve it. You want to fix it. You want, to, you want it to go. And, and I called up a couple days later. I'm like, listen, it's not going away. You told me like a couple days. It's still here. And he's like, well, it's been like a day and a half. I'm like, that's a couple. We're into the couple. You got to do something. He said, well, call me back tomorrow if it's still there. I call back at 830. I'm like, hello, this is Lewis Cantor. I'm leaving a message. Just give me a call back. The pain is still here. It has been more than 48 hours. I call back at 859. I'm like, if you're not 10 minutes early, you're late. Call me back. They picked up the phone. They're like, come on back in here. 
I came back in. They're messing with my teeth. And I'm like, man, I don't know what you do. He's like, oh, you know what? The fillings are a little uneven. Let's go ahead and, and, and grind them down. We'll shave them down. It won't be any pain to you. But that, that happens in your bite. You know, your bite messes up. And so there's pain that's caused. All right, fine. We'll do that. We do that. Pain doesn't go away. For three months, I'm dealing with the kind of pain that is like, just nauseating. And there were some up and downs, right? Roller coaster. It wasn't like just always that. So it kind of went away. Then it came back. And I'm like, no, you know, it just would come in and go and come and go so bad that it would just make you sit down. I'm just like, all right, day's over. I'm just going to be done. Finally, they come back in and uh, he's like, well, we're going to have to undo those or whatever. And I'm like, man, listen, I, no, like you're the same cat that did this to me. I'm not about to let you do it again. No. He's like, well, let's go ahead and get, get the other ones taken care of. I'm like, no, uh-uh. No, that just doesn't add up for me. Like, I'm, I'm done. I'm through, like, whatever. So I left, and I found my old dentist, and I went to her. And this doesn't really have much to do with the stories. I just want to vent here a little bit and let y'all know. <laughs> I went to her. Let me get my hand on my head. And she said, you don't have any cavities. Like, I knew it. I knew I didn't have any cavities. I'm like, hold on a second. So let me tell you something. I did a little research, and I found out that sometimes dentist offices, especially the commercial ones or like the chain ones, they'll go ahead and up. They'll go ahead and up the, the quota on how many cavities and fillings they want to do. So they'll say, hey, man, you got cavities. We need to fill those even when you don't have, have cavities. Is that a thing? And she was like, I don't feel comfortable necessarily answering that question. I'm like, that means it's a thing. It's a thing. I knew it. Anyways, my teeth are good. And I don't have any cavities over there, so that's great. Uh, so after all that, let me get back onto what I'm actually talking about. God uses pain, right? He uses pain, and in that moment, but this, here's the seriousness of it. In that moment, that pain alerted me to something. What did it alert me to? I got to take better care of my teeth. Like, even though I thought I took decent care of them, man, they're in a day that I miss flossing now. Not a day, not, not a morning or an evening. I brush in the morning, I brush in the evening. Sometimes I've got some time, I'll go for an extra one in the middle of the day. I'm like, I don't want any tooth pain. That's what pain does to you, right? You go through it enough and you, you start to get to the point where you're like, nah, I, I'm not doing that. Hey man, you wanna come kick it with it? Nope, no I don't, because I've done it. And I, that situation was so bad in my life, I want nothing to do with it ever again. I, 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 want, nothing to, I want nothing to do with it. That's how you know, that's how you know that you've, you've, you've learned from your mistake and now you're, you're, pursuing, you're pursuing what God has for you in your life. That's why pain is important. Let's just jump into four. We're running out of time here. Jump into four. So God uses pain to guard and protect me. Oh, I love that he's got my back. I love that he's got my back. He's always going to guard and protect you. God will save you from hidden traps, Psalm 91 says. Ooh, well, what are those? I don't know. They're hidden. That's why they're called hidden traps. I don't know what they are. But you know they're out there, right? They kind of just smack you right in the face. Like, I didn't know that was, what's going on? I didn't even know that one existed. Like, that's, that's a new one, man. I've been on the planet for a little while, and then boom, here comes this. It's a hidden one. But even the hidden ones in your life, the hidden pains in your life, God is working on your behalf to protect you from them. God has led you away from danger, giving you freedom, it says in Job. Oftentimes, he's giving you a little bit of pain in one area, and you're like, man, why is this happening in my life? Well, guess what? If it wasn't for that one little pain, what would have happened in this other situation? You want to deal with this, God's telling you, or you want to deal with this? Because if I hadn't caused this pain over here, you'd have been dealing with something a whole lot worse, and you don't want nothing to do with that. I'm like, oh, okay. 
So I had to get these three fake cavities filled, thank you very much, fake cavities, in order to prevent a root canal from happening over here because I wasn't doing so good on my, on my, 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 my oral care. All right, I'll take the trade. It really killed me, man, for three. But if I had to get these, th these teeth over here dug out and drilled and all kind of other craziness, I'll go through that in order to avoid this for sure. God, thank you for guarding me and protecting me. Even though that situation was miserable, I didn't like it. I understand that, that if I hadn't gone through that, that this would have been way worse. So I appreciate that, Father. Thank you so much. There's a story about Joseph and in uh, Genesis 50, 20, it says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. For decades, decades, Joseph was abused. He was tossed aside. He was pushed around. He was accused of rape. He was imprisoned over and over and over again. He was put to the test, refined, pushed. I mean, there are so many stories of the hardships of Joseph's life that I don't know. I mean, I'm out. I'm giving up. But all of that, guarding and protecting him along the way, understanding that the call on his life was so much bigger. Let me tell you something, people. The call on your life is so much bigger than the pain that you're going through. It's refining you in ways, and you have no idea what God has planned for you. No idea. Well, man, I'm telling you, I'm 50 years old at this point. I'm 60 years old at this point. What in the world? When's he going to use me? Because I've gone through enough, man. I feel like I've got the experience I need. For goodness sakes, listen, God's timing is God's timing. Don't go trying to figure it out. You're going to hurt yourself. Just stay refined. Wake up. Pursue the passion and the presence of Jesus every single Pursue the presence of Jesus with passion every single morning. He's got your back. He's guarding you and he's protecting you. Trust the process. All right, last one. God uses pain to grow and perfect me. Thank you, Lord. You know, it's springtime in Ohio right now, and I love it. I celebrate weather just like everybody in Ohio does. It's like a holiday. We just came out of six months of the darkest winter I can remember. Every single year I say that, right? You know what happens in the wintertime? For all my, 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 uh, my green thumbs out there, what happens in the wintertime to your plants? They dig deep. They root themselves. That's why it's such a good time to plant in the fall. Because when you plant in the fall, the roots find deep, deep, deep wells to survive what would be an insurvivable winter of ice and cold and wind and snow. And then suddenly what happens? I swear it was just a couple weeks ago we were driving around in gray and salt-covered cars. Ugh, gross. You remember that? So gross. Dark, cold, like my yard had bare spots all over the place. It's so full now. And suddenly, like seemingly overnight, whew, there's flowers everywhere and the trees are green. You see the sky last night? It, it was cotton candy pink, for goodness sakes. It was beautiful. You know why that happened? Because for months, God's beautiful creation reserved itself deep, deep down in the earth pursuing what it knew it needed in order to flourish when summer came around. Guys, when you're at your darkest, when the pain hurts the most, don't allow yourself to become uprooted. Don't allow yourself to become pulled from the ground. 
thinking that if I just get out of here, I'll be able to save myself because you won't, you'll die. The moment you retract, the moment you pull yourself from the presence of God, the lie of the enemy comes in and he tells you, listen, get out of here. This situation would be so much better if you just went this direction. If you just stop doing what you're doing because clearly God doesn't have your back. He wants nothing to do with you. Look what he's doing to you. He's punishing you over and over again. If you just come over here, I'll preserve you. Look how warm and sunny it is down in Florida. Move there. Go there. <laughs> Amen. If you just pull up your roots and go, everything will be fine. Listen, maybe, but you know what? What I know is that if I root myself in the presence of God, if I establish myself into the firm foundation of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, if I pursue with passion the presence of the Holy Spirit, that winter will end. That the pain will subside. And when spring comes, I'll be the most beautiful plant the neighborhood's ever seen. Because I didn't give up. I didn't uproot. I didn't neglect the plan of God for my life. I took his advice. I listened to what he had to say. When he steered me to the right, I went. Reluctantly so, and maybe it was difficult for a time period, but I, but I stayed the course. And now, ah, you can't tell me there isn't a beautiful sun, more beautiful sunset than the Northeast Ohio sunset over Lake Erie. There just isn't. And it might just have to do with the fact that because when you see it, you earned it. <laughs> when you see it in May and June and July and August, and you think back at all the months in February and January and December, what you had to go through to get to where you are now, you're like, man, whew, thank you, Jesus. I'm so glad I didn't give up. You look at that past issue in your life, that pain, that relationship, that hurt, and now you see where you're at and you look across the dinner table and there's your family. There's the children you didn't abandon. There's the brother you made amends with. There's the sister you told, I'll never leave you. I'll forgive you every single time. Staring right back at you, smiling from ear to ear. Why are you looking at me so funny? I just love you. I just love you. But what was really going on is you recognized that you, you stayed the course. You took the difficult road. You remain rooted in what it is God has promised for you. And because of that, the blessings of God are all over your life. Come on, stand up with me here this morning. I want everybody to close their eyes and bow their heads. And I want to declare over you. I don't know what pain you've had today. I don't know if it's financial, it's physical, it's emotional. But I want you to lean into it today. I want you to lean in to the presence of God. I declare it right now that, Lord, we lean in to your plan. God, we identify the pain in our life as a refining fire, preparing us, Lord, for what it is you have in store 
that's greater than we can ever imagine. And so today, God, we lean into you. We lean into your presence, your guidance, your protection. And we say that you are king. You are king over our families, over our finances, over our health. God, that we will never uproot ourselves from the plan and destiny of what you have for us. That indeed, God, you know what is best and we trust you, Father. We've seen you do it for us countless times and we know that you'll do it again. Once again, Father, I give to you my life. I give to you my heart, my mind. And I embrace your refining fire. Amen. I'll leave you with one last scripture. It's in 1 Peter 4. It says, if you are suffering according to God's will, keep on doing what is right. Trust yourself to the God who made you. Because he will never fail you. He will never, ever fail you. This morning, there's altar ministers coming to the front right now. And there's many of us in the room, maybe online, that are battling, man. They're battling the pain of life. They're putting up a good fight. And they think they're doing everything that's supposed to be done. And you think you're going in the right direction and you're, you're waking up early and you're staying disciplined and you're trying to check all the boxes and it just doesn't seem to be working out. Well, listen. Sometimes all that's left is just to stop. Give up. Let your hands down. Let Jesus take over. Here's that opportunity this morning to spend a little bit of time with the Lord, partner with one of these amazing people full of the Holy Spirit, to pursue the presence of God and passionately recommit yourself to accepting the refining fire of Jesus in your life, opening the window of your heart to him so that he can blow in the sweet breeze of the Holy Spirit, leading you in the direction that you need to go in every area of your life. I invite you now to come to the front, to pray with these folks, to spend some time in the presence of God, to forever be changed for his glory, and to live your life full, 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 full of the goodness of Jesus Christ. Amen. I hope you were blessed today. Enjoy your Sunday. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. We will see you here on Wednesday night. We'll be back again next week.